0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome back to Student of the Word. Today, we're in lesson number five on the series, Miracles in Matthew. And today we're taking up Peter's mother-in-law, how that Jesus rebuked the fever that was inside of her. How do you rebuke and what does it mean? Join me today as we go to the Word of God. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an
1: expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Hello, this is Pastor Bob you'd welcome again to Student of the Word and day number five in our series on miracles in Matthew. And today we're gonna to be talking about Peter's mother-in-law, how that she was healed. The difference in chapter eight and nine as opposed to the chapters that came before this is that, and also at the end of chapter nine is that Jesus healed multitudes. I mean, Thousands upon thousands of people came and he healed all the sick that were there. But though individual cases given, doesn't give a man's name or a woman's name or the fact he healed a mother or whatever until we get to chapter eight. In chapter eight and chapter nine, most of the way through chapter nine, Jesus is healing individuals. Each one of these individuals are representative of the two things that Jesus mentioned. And by the Holy Spirit in the previous chapters was he healed everybody of everything. And everybody means Jesus was without praise He wasn't looking for rich people and shunning poor people. He wasn't looking for the influential and putting away the person that didn't really count. He went after anybody for one thing, if he saw faith in them. And if they had any doubts, he got rid of the doubt. But when he saw a need and he saw the person had faith to be healed. He went for them. We often think that the greatest thing to do would be to get our president saved and the vice president. We go down the list and and all this and our mayor, and our governor, all that. And business leaders, you know, the head cheerleader and the football captain, the movie star, those are the ones we aim for. We want to get those people saved. And I admit, if they need to be saved, all Jesus is looking for is... One thing, do they have faith to be saved and want to be saved? But we often think how influential they will be. The point of it is they may not be influential at all. They may go the opposite direction and actually shun people away because of their immaturity and how we put them on a pedestal thinking they are a a witness and a type for people to look at when they're not at all. Jesus went after everybody, including the rich, including the influential, including the people like Saul of Tarsus. But throughout this, we have unknown people And basically some people with some influence, you know, like the centurion's son. But in this one, we're going to talk about Peter's mother-in-law being healed and how important that is. You know, it's been said, you know, just jokingly that this is probably why Peter denied the Lord because he healed his mother-in-law. But I happen to think that uh, it's Peter that led him to the house and his mother-in-law was sick in there. And apparently he really appreciated and loved his mother-in-law and she had simple faith to be healed, and so this is how she got healed of this fever. This was probably not just a normal fever that goes away in a couple of days. This is something that probably persistently had hung on, and it drained her energy with a raging fever, and so Jesus came and healed her of this, although it doesn't say that. That has to be my assumption on what happened here in this particular verse of scripture. I'm using... Uh, my series on Miracles in Matthew. And this is what I'm teaching right now on CDs. And this will be a great blessing to you. Again, I say it over and over again, the best place to listen to these is in your car and uh, plug them in your car, you know, and, and or else run them off onto a flash drive and put them in your car. And this way you can listen to these lessons while you're driving because probably the most useless time you have during the day is when you drive. That's when you listen to classic rock and country music and, and, you know, you listen to news, whatever, and just waste your time getting there and back. You just kind of blank out and go there and get blank again and come back home fill it up with the word of god and i'll tell you what you'll be surprised how much you can get in yourself by just listening whenever you drive your car also I have a book called The Grace of Healing. And in this particular book, what it is, is it's dealing with healing from the side of God's grace, as well as our faith. Most most books teach on your faith, the importance of your faith for receiving healing. And that is necessary, but our faith is useless without God's grace because grace approaches us first. And then in faith, we take from God's hand what he's offering to us, whether it be salvation or healing. These will be offered to you at halftime. They'll tell you how you can have a copy of it for yourself and how you will be blessed. Let's go to Matthew chapter eight. We're gonna take a look at verses 14 and 15. And here we have, it says, beginning in verse 14, now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, again, probably invited to come in, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. Man, there's so much here in just these couple of sentences that are really critical for us to understand. And so again, you know, caring for your family is very important. And I believe in this one, what we see here is the fact that Peter's mother-in-law, she was precious to him. He loved her. And uh, probably despite all the stereotypes about mother, mother mothers-in-law, that uh, she was a wonderful woman and she had to, to appreciate Peter, because he was so up and down, wide swing, in and out, and yet she must have really appreciated her, but he appreciated her too, and this is why he wanted her to be healed. That's probably why he brought Jesus into his home, so that she could be healed. Uh, My father prayed for me as a child, when I was probably about six, seven years old. Something attacked me. Something hit me, knocked me to the floor, and it was just, i actually been over doubled in pain for no reason. It was just like, nothing was going on. I had not had any symptoms and suddenly I was screaming in pain. And my dad, who was a minister, a Pentecostal, believing in full healing, full gospel, laid hands on me and commanded that thing to leave me. And immediately I was healed. A few minutes later, it happened again. I mean, Satan tried for a, you know, a sneak attack and coming back around again, a counterpunch. And I was knocked to the floor again, screaming. This time Satan, my dad, this time my father told Satan, he said, just turn him loose and let him go. And immediately the pain left me and never came back. And so throughout my childhood, there would be times when we had sick family members, we would always pray for them first. God doesn't care if you go to a doctor. I think what kind of bothers God sometimes is when we don't think about God and we go to the doctor first. I think the first thing we should be doing is going to the Lord. And if some reason where it's not coming at the time, we don't know why, and we're trying to look at ourselves, examine ourselves, or maybe we've just gone through a difficult time and our mind's on something else, we really didn't have the full faith to get it healed, in that case, go to the doctor, because God works with doctors. In fact, the book of Luke and of Acts was written by Luke, who was a doctor. So God couldn't care. In the Old Testament, one of the titles for God was, he's the Lord who heals us. The title in the Hebrew is the Lord, our healer, or the Lord, our physician, So God wouldn't be called by some sinful name, but physician is a great name. So again, uh, as, as the leper here and the Centurion servant, a person came to Jesus, and now Jesus goes to the sick woman. So up until now, people have come to Jesus. Now Jesus goes to a sick woman, probably had a premonition before he got there of why he was being taken there and probably had heard that she was sick. But the point of it is right now is that w- whether the person comes to you or you go to the person, you should go in expectancy, because you know, these stories are for us telling us what to do. And when you go to lay hands on a person, go prepared or open, start your day, open to the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And you are going to run across some sick people as well as people that need to be saved. So again, with the leper and the centurion's servant, a person came to Jesus. The leper came to Jesus, the centurion's servant uh, who was sick of this, this man came to represent him and tell him that all he had to do was speak the word from here. In fact, Jesus was prepared to go to the house when the centurion just said, no, no, I understand authority. You speak and he'll be healed there. And Jesus said, I haven't found such great faith even in Israel, in other words, I haven't found this kind of faith among the Jews and I had to find it among a Roman. And so anyway, Jesus did speak the word from there and the Bible says that that uh, young man was healed in the self same hour here. Jesus goes to the sick woman, even into her house, and we need the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and also expecting the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's main operation in us is to help us become a witness for him, Jesus said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. He'll come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me. That must mean that just about everything the Holy Spirit offers is also an extra way and an extra pull and an added power to win people to Jesus. And that's exactly true. This is what the gifts of the Holy Spirit afford. And so again, whether we wait for the sick to come to us or we approach them, we can expect the Holy Spirit to be operating through us, not only giving us wisdom on how to handle people, but word of knowledge can come also, gifts of healings, working of miracles. And when Jesus came, he healed the masses. And if Jesus can heal masses, that tells us something. All those masses of people that came, came because it was God's will for them to be healed. And they came in simple faith, expecting to be healed. The thing today is people often say, well, we don't know if it's God's will to heal me. Well, then how in the world did these crowds know who to go out and get? Did they have a did they have a discernment that we didn't have and don't have? They just went and brought every sick person. They were just, they just had the mindset, well, I'm just going to bring all sick, you know? And I guess they were just too dumb as far as some are concerned today because they didn't wait on the Holy Spirit to go, is this a yes or a no for healing? It's because everybody is a yes for healing, just like everybody is a yes to be saved. So go expecting the Holy Spirit to add to your understanding, your zeal, your knowledge, your wisdom, and add the Holy Spirit's knowledge, a word of knowledge, add the Holy Spirit's wisdom, a word of wisdom, to add to the healing uh, operation that's been given to you as a Christian, to add the Holy Spirit's addition to it with gifts of healings and working of miracles. I think it's interesting here, too, that when Jesus laid hands on this woman, he touched her hand. When it came to women, Jesus touched their hand. This isn't the first time. He touched the little girl's hand who was dead, Jairus' daughter. You'd think it wouldn't have mattered at that time. No, even then he took the daughter's hand. He wanted nothing to be said about where he touched someone. And it comes back to this. It doesn't matter if we touch the person where they're sick. I mean, if they have something wrong on their shoulder, I usually lay hands on their shoulder. If they're having heart problems, I'll lay my hands somewhere close to the heart, you know, maybe on the shoulder there or whatever. But it doesn't matter where. It never says Jesus laid his hand. And on the part where the person was sick. But here in this case, we're told he took the woman by the hand. Peter's mother-in-law didn't have the fever in her hand. She had the fever, probably her head was the hottest part, her forehead was the hottest part, but this affected her entire body. But Jesus laid hands on her and touched her hand, and just like Jairus's dead daughter who came to life, immediately the fever left her, and she was healed of that. So the fever was not in her hand, but in her entire body, and again, it doesn't matter if we touch a person where they are sick. The anointing heals, not our precise touch. On top of that, just touching a person. Listen, if it's that important, then how could Jesus, again, speak the word from great distance and a person be healed? And they were healed in a particular part of their body. But if it's powerful enough over a distance, why do we have to actually touch the very part of the person? That where they are uh sick or where they are uh you know needing healing uh, one minister I know whenever he had his wife with him at all times if any woman had breast cancer he would have his wife lay hands on her breast and then he would lay his hands on her hand all that sounds like oh well, that's good and it's discriminating and all that and that's wonderful no it's not even necessary to do that just lay hands and take a take, like jesus did take a woman by the hand because it's really the touch of faith that is so important and we're not even told the woman with the issue of blood, you know, she just touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She could have touched anywhere on him. She could have touched the shoulder. She could have touched his sleeve somewhere else, but she touched the hem of his garment. And the point of it was, it wasn't his hem that made her whole. It was her faith that made her whole. And again, we have the fact that the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment and Jesus touched Peter's mother-in-law. He took her by the hand. When we come back from the break, we'll just get more into this because there's a very important part yet to come and a very, educational part that comes up about this healing. See you right after the break.
1: Miracles in Matthew is a systematic studying of the healing miracles of Jesus, which are presented to us in the book of Matthew. This series emphasizes the fact that Jesus healed believer and unbeliever, Jew and Gentile, male and female, old and young, rich and poor. He made no distinctions. Healing was and is for all. The sermon titles in this 10-message set are Jesus Healing Ministry Jesus First Healing The God of the Impossible Healing of the Centurion Servant Peter's Mother-in-Law Think on these things After the Healing You Are Forgiven The Healing of the Two Women And Avoiding Unbelief To order Miracles in Matthew, visit our website at bobyandian.com. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach, with practical biblical teaching that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
0: I had the opportunity of working for Kenneth Hagin for a number of years and taught at Raymond Bible Training Center. And before I taught at Raymond Bible Training Center, I did all the recordings. I sat in my booth back in the back. Everything went on big reel-to-reel tapes. And I was the one that took that later and made cassette tapes out of it and radio broadcasts out of it. The thing I noticed about Brother Hagin, too, when he laid hands on people, he always laid hands just on the top of their head right up here. And and Jesus laid hands on this on this woman, that uh, Peter's mother-in-law, by taking her hand, the fever again like I said, was not in her hand. The fever was throughout her body and probably the head was the hottest part, but we're not told exactly where Jesus touched everybody. But with women, we are told specifically, just like Jairus's daughter who was dead, Jesus took her hand and she was healed. So the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She could have touched any place else and still been healed. It doesn't matter where she touched, but how she touched, she touched in faith. And Jesus even said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. This is exactly what happened with Peter's mother-in-law is that Jesus took her by the hand and when he did, it was her faith that made her whole and she rose up. I want to take a look at uh, the verse of scripture about this because this story is told again in the book of Luke. And Luke tells us something here that Jesus rebuked her fever. The Greek word for rebuked is epitemaō. The word epi means above. Epitome comes from this, the highest thing. And then tomaō means to speak. And so it means to, again, the word epitamao, rebuke, means to speak down to something, speak from a higher vantage point. And this is what Jesus did was he rebuked the fever. He didn't rebuke her, he rebuked the fever. Because why? The works of Satan were placed under Jesus' feet, as they have been done in our case. And we can speak down to them. We don't speak down to people. We speak down to demons and anything that God has placed under our feet. And Jesus told the disciples when he first sent them out, he says, you can cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, they're recovering. He sent them out and told them to cast out devils. They came back saying, even the demons are subject to us. And they were, and they were so shocked at that. Well, the same thing's been given to us. We're told in Ephesians that all things were placed under Jesus' feet. And even if you are the feet, In the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan and demons and fallen uh, angels, those things are under your feet right now. And so you can rebuke and talk down to them. You can talk down to circumstances. Why? Because even circumstances have been placed under your feet and Jesus rebuked her fever he spoke down to it he spoke from a higher vantage point and simply what was holding her that's the attitude we need to do when we when we lay hands on the sick is we need to speak to the sickness or the disease or the demon itself if it's a demon and command it to go and so Jesus again rebuked it so when peter's mother-in-law was healed she arose and ministered to them i think this is a very key point also in that verse of scripture where he she ministered to him, many people today are not healed because they simply want to consume the healing on their own lust. James tells us this in chapter four and verse three, that the reason why some are not healed is because they want to consume it on their own lusts. Ask a sick person sometime, why do you want to be healed? And they'll say, well, I want to get back to living. I want to take care of my family, and I want to, you know, I've got all these things I'd like to do and all that, but the point that Jesus is bringing out is they want to consume it on their own lust. We are here and left in this world for one major reason, and that is to win souls, and think about this. What if you promise the Lord and say, Lord, when I get healed, it's not the fact I can, you know, take my boat out again, or I can go riding around with my kids or we can go on another vacation. You're consuming it on your own lust. And James says the reason why some are not healed is because they want to consume their healing on their own lusts. Get healed so they can get back to having fun in life. What if you stopped and thought for just a moment, Lord, I want to get healed so I can get out of this bed because I can't witness sitting here in this bed or laying here in this bed or whatever. I want to get healed so I can go out. And Father, I ask you to forgive me for taking life so much for granted. I thought that the life was here simply for my own lust to heap it on myself. But it's not to heap it on myself. Lord, I want to go out and win the lost. I have a new desire inside of me that the moment I get out of here, I'm gonna minister to somebody. And again, when Peter's mother-in-law was healed, she arose and ministered to them, to the Lord Jesus Christ and those who were with him. She ministered to them probably, she probably made some food and things like that, but she had such an honor inside of her I get to make food for the son of God. I get to make food for the one that that literally healed me. And we're gonna find out later that when Jesus goes to the cross, this is the purpose of it, is to first of all, remove our sins, next of all, to remove our sicknesses. But the point is too, is once we receive salvation, and especially when he works miracles in our life, it's so we can get out of the house and get out and start meeting sinners out there and lead them to Jesus, even using our healing as a testimony to them. Here's something. When you go out and you know, and you're standing in line somewhere, you're just talking to somebody. And, you know, they mentioned something, they got something wrong with it. Why don't you pray instead of ministering Jesus to them? First of all, minister Jesus to their sickness and command that sickness to turn loose of them and rebuke the sickness. I mean, they'll probably look at you like who you are, but when they get healed, they're going to say, wait a minute, what was this? I've never seen anything like this. And this is my favorite way to pray for sick people is to is to literally, as Jesus did, rebuke the sickness, speak down to it and command it to leave. So when Jesus did that, she was healed and then got up and ministered. So if we will make a commitment to God to use our healing to minister to others, we'll probably see results like we've never seen before. What does God want us to do? Well, the purpose of your salvation, you were not saved so you can go on more vacations. You were not saved. So, oh man, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah, thank God. Let's just go have fun and enjoy our life. No, that's consuming it on your own lust. Ephesians chapter two says, you were saved unto good works. In Deuteronomy chapter eight and verse 18 says, we are prospered so we can go do good works. The first thing we usually think about is, if I give into God's kingdom, it's going to come back to me. Well, hallelujah, I can buy a new car. I can do a number of things. Why don't you begin to look at this way for my prosperity is so I can turn around and even lead more to Jesus or support more missionaries or increase my tithes to the church and still have enough left over after all that's done?" to buy a new car. What is your highest priority? You're saved unto good works, and good works are those that not only last in time, but you get to take them to heaven with you, and you'll be rewarded in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 at the judgment seat of Christ, and you'll receive rewards for what you did in the flesh. Rewards are not for how big your boat was, your car was, your house, and all that, which God doesn't care if you have those things, if they just don't consume your life. If what consumes your life is seeing another person saved, God's I said, that's what I'm looking for. This is the purpose of why you were saved unto good works. Good works is leading people to Jesus, laying hands on sick people, helping to disciple them. The man that was healed at the gate, beautiful, what did he do? He went walking, leaping, and praising God after he received his healing. I'm sure, Peter and John stood there laughing and smiling as he was jumping up and down. But as soon as he got through jumping up and down, he followed them into the temple. That needs to be the next thing people do is follow us into church. And we lead them into church. And then Jesus even said one time, he said, go out into the highways and the byways and compel people to come in that my house may be full compel means to irritate people. I mean, just keep asking and just keep asking. You say, yeah, but they're gonna get tired of me. Well, let them get tired of me. I am leading them into eternal life to get saved in church, but I'm also leading them into eternal life of good works after that, to where they can win others to Jesus Christ themselves. And listen, they may get mad at me and and irritated at me for irritating them, but I'm gonna tell you what, if they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's gonna be a big thank you. There was a man in our church that had a friend that moved in from Texas. He and his wife and uh, and the, the friend that moved from Texas and his wife into Tulsa, they, they just, you know, they, they were in pool halls every night and, and drinking and all this, you know, and they had a couple of daughters, but they had a babysitter at home. They just went out and this is how it started in college. It's how it went on into their marriage. They just went out and had a good time and getting drunk was just part of life. And uh, smoking cigarettes was just part of like tons of cigarettes. And uh, and so again, I'm not here preaching against cigarettes or anything like that, but Anyway, it just consumed their life and their life was just not for Jesus Christ. And so they kept asking them to come to church and asking them to come to our church. And they kept saying, no, no, no. And, and they pretty got irritated at them for asking so often. But they took that verse to heart and they and they used that verse of scripture is, is to go out and compel them to come in. Well, one day they just went to their house, knocked on the door on Sunday morning. And they came to the door and said, what? They said, we're taking your daughters to church. If you want to pick up your daughters, come to church and pick them up there and anyway what the guy said was okay we'll go today go and take our daughters but this is the last time don't you ever do this again this is the last time you're ever going to keep pushing it on anyway they took them to church the daughters to church He and his wife got dressed, came to church to settle the back row of the church. While their daughters were in Sunday school, they they were on the back row of the church and uh, they got as far back as they possibly could. And I preached that day and when I gave the altar call, the wife had her head bowed and she said, I just knew he wasn't there. My husband wasn't there. She said, I turned and looked and sure enough, he wasn't there. She said, oh my goodness, he couldn't even wait another 10 minutes to go smoke a cigarette and all that. She thought he's out there smoking a cigarette. She looked up and he was running down the aisle to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. She got up and ran right behind him and she gave her life to the Lord too. He ended up being uh, the manager of the Christian radio station in Tulsa. Later on, he became a a counselor in our church and then he became the associate pastor. They both handled the uh, singles in our church. He made a wonderful associate pastor, gave his, again, after he gave his life to Jesus, he was just that most outspoken for Jesus you could find, shocked his friends in Tulsa who knew him. And so this verse says again, what she did was she uh, ministered unto them in good works and we are saved unto good works. Good works don't stop when we get born again. They keep on going to where we not only affect our life, we affect other people's lives and we are prospered so we can do good works. So we then should be healed in Matthew chapter. We'll take this up next time in much more detail. But verse 16 and 17 says this, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits, evil spirits with his word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Verse 16, not all sickness is caused by demons, but sickness does come from Satan and is caused by the fall. So sickness comes from Satan, whether it's a demon or not, and demons can provoke you to sin, or you can sin without a demon from your own flesh. In this verse also, Jesus healed all who were sick. And verse 17 tells us that because he healed all, this is why it's a fulfillment of Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5. If healing can be removed from the cross, then it's not for everybody. And what Jesus did on the cross is for all, for all sinners, for all sick. And anything coming by the cross is simply received by faith, whether it's salvation, or in this particular case, what it's talking about in Isaiah 53, 4, that he healed, uh, so it be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He took our infirmities and bore all of our sicknesses. Anything coming by the cross is then received by faith. And just like salvation comes from the cross and we receive it by faith, so it is with healing. And just like salvation is for everybody, healing is for everybody. We'll see you next time.
1: You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bobyandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen.